Hey everybody, welcome to Megan's Old Office. By now, you've probably been here several times, you know the routine. My name is J.D. Gorlett, I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska, and I am joined once again by Keith Holmes, uh, who is the director, what do you do around here? I am the director of small groups and missions activities. I've got a pen, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget. <laughs> Uh, and Keith and I do uh, most of the podcasts, and uh, we've been working uh, through the book of Exodus. And uh, please uh, look up uh, our previous episodes. This is episode 10, so mm-hmm. if you're joining us here at this point, great. Uh, hang out with us It'll for the work. next half an hour. But check out our other podcasts about this very important, pivotal book of the Old Testament. Yeah. And these next few episodes, we're really going to be tying in, and I think we have been tying in, the experience and the story of Exodus into, um, you know, our own present-day modern relationship with Christ. Well, that's what we always want to do on Megan's Old Office, is bring us into these stories, because the Bible is not a a storybook. Right. It is... is a, a guide in you know it's a way to a way to show us what God is what God considers right and one of the biggest things that we want you to see here with this study is how foundational uh, the book of Exodus Amen. is it's particularly in understanding Christ so Jesus Christ goes and dies on the cross as a substitutional atonement for our sins yeah. and you just really don't get the depth of that and the, uh, the importance of that, the consistent theology of that, unless you really study books like Exodus and Leviticus mm-hmm. and Deuteronomy, where you, where you get the language and, and the, the foundational setup, if you will, of, of, of all of the, the traditions that made that necessary, right. that, that sacrifice Amen. necessary. Amen. And we, we've been talking a little bit about that. Uh, and we'll talk more about that here in these next few studies. Uh, so welcome to Megan's Old Office. We're in Exodus chapter 25, and we're going to go through uh, Exodus chapter 31. We're not going to read we're all not, that yeah. to you. We're going <laughs> we're to read you some snippets, but as we've said before, in your own time, we want you yep. to check out these. We're just going to yep. give you some things to think about. It's kind of like a reading guide, if yeah, you will, a exactly. thought guide as you read Exodus 25 through 31 in your own time. Uh, Keith... To open, what's your best do-it-yourself project? What, and what's your worst? I, I think this should be an or. D- I, 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 I'm going I'm to re, rewrite this question eventually and say, what, what's your best D-I-Y. or worst? Yes. Yeah, do-it-yourself, D-Y-I. D-I-Y. Oh, did I get it wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. do yourself in is what happens. Um, uh, you know, my my best, I guess, one of the things that uh, that one of the accomplishments that I'm, I'm very proud of is is I hold a black belt in the martial arts Taekwondo, and when you become a black belt, you 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 make a project for the grandmaster of our school. And one of the symbols of our school is like a little outline of a bonsai tree with all the belts, the different ranks. And I took all the boards that I had broken getting to my black belt, which were many, let me tell you. (laughs) And I took some of them, the best ones that I could find. I, I highlighted the breaks. I glued them all back together again. I glued all of them together. I went out and got, you remember the old transparency machines where they put them up on the wall and you put the, sure. you know, so I, I got 
as far as that, I projected the image of the bonsai tree up. I traced it out. I cut out the bonsai tree. I attached hooks, hooked belts. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was so cool. It still today hangs in the Why in not? the karate school or the American Great. School of Karate and Judo. And 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 it was it's just one of my, you know, yeah. secret pride. I have actually inspired. It it was one of those moments where it was like this is going to be a, such a cool cuz you know normally it's like well take your boards and make a birdhouse. Take your boards right. and make, you know, make a sign or yeah. do something. Yeah. This was this was an act of pure love for and and, ador, and not adoration but ad admiration for the guy who helped me yeah. get this achievement. Yeah. And that was my one. best. That's my best. Right. The worst I'm sure has to do with some plumbing project right. that, that we had to ultimately had to call a plumber, plumber for. There, there you go. Always good to be related to a plumber. Right? right? That your project reminds me of what the Houston Astros did for Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera was uh, was the great reliever, lead mm-hmm. relief pitcher for the New York Yankees, and he was retiring, and he was playing in Houston, and you know everybody knew he was going to retire, so he was gonna kind of on a retirement tour. Right. So what they did was they took, and he was famous for his inside fastball, which okay. would hit the hosel of the bat and break bats, right? Because you'd hit it on the thin of the bat, exactly. Which bat. yeah. So his Houston Astros collected all the bats that he had broken, and they made it into a rocking chair for him oh. for his retirement. So he has a rocking chair made out of all the broken, oh, broken bats. All the, bro- all the bats that he had broken. I thought that was awesome. That is a you know, great story. It was just exactly what you're doing, yeah. taking these things and making it into something yeah. memorial, something beautiful. Yeah. And I've, you know... I, you know, I am not a, a, a very good do-it-yourself guy. I've I've had some successes, mostly right. failures. Uh, I've had lots of mission projects. All I can tell you is that there's a couple of mission project, mission trips that I've led where, gosh, I really felt great about this right. thing that I painted or this door that I installed that was perfect. Right. But there were a couple that I just laugh out still to the, aloud to, the, to this day where. If, if those projects are still in place, whoever is using them or coming is, say, is saying to themselves, "Good Lord, what what in the world was this guy thinking?" You know, it's so bad. Who did this? It's so off center or so wampus. You know, like there was a piece of tile that I cut in and I did it so wrong that. It, it, it's just kind of absolutely. They probably ripped out the entire floor just, because it just we you know, sullied the whole floor. Yeah, it's just absolutely <laughs> horrid. So I mean, there's a little bit of both of that. So anyway, that's where we begin today with do-it-yourself projects. We're well, Exodus twenty-five. We're going to see one of the greatest do-it-yourself projects ever done, and that is the building of the tabernacle. Yeah. In these next few chapters, we're going to see the the, the instructions that God gives. Um, and and these ne- and again today we're going to be talking more about the instructions of it and 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 later we'll talk about the actual construction of it, but but really you know when we do our do at home do it yourself projects when you do those DIYs you know you you want to do everything you can you go I don't know about you but I go to YouTube right, right? I just it's watch great. videos I do all this and I get I get so I love the idea that God is giving them. The ultimate YouTube. He's telling Moses what yeah, he a, wants, right? And this is—that's a great analogy. Yeah. What we're going to read today is—you're exactly right. It's very much a step-by-step instruction. Yep. And before we get into it, you need to know what a, a, a tabernacle is. And yeah, I would encourage yeah. people to go to YouTube 
and oh, yeah. Google ta- the tabernacle because there's many videos on there that'll show you. Basically, you know what a church is. Mm. All a tabernacle is is a is a temple or a church right. that's mobile. It's right. made out right. of it's made out of cloth. It's basically. like the opposite of a cathedral. Right. It's a yeah. what's well, a cathedral that is a tenth. But that's it. It's it, just it's made out of, the, right. Yeah. If you're looking at a stone and mortar building with flying buttresses and pinnacles and things like, yeah, that's not a tabernacle. And what you, your analogy there of, of of God giving a YouTube channel of how to do it? It's not just how to do it the right way. It's the way that God wants to do, do right. it, wants you to do it. So therefore, it is the right way. Right. They could have made a tent tabernacle, a tent temple, which right. would have been a tabernacle. They could have done it themselves, but God's like, I don't want you to do it yourself. I want you to do it yourself according to my right. instruction. Right. And so there is in, inherently a deal where it's like, I not only want you to do this, I want you to show your obedience to me. Right. I don't want you to find some sort of better way or worse way. I, I know right. exa- I want you to deliver, deliver on to me that tabernacle specifically that I want. Yep. So. I, I mean, you know, you think about all of the, the stories we hear about, you know, people going in and asking for cakes decorated a certain way or certain things like that. And, you know, how happy they are when it's just exactly what they described or what they had in their right. mind. or what, But but God leaves no room for doubt right. what he wants in go. these next chapters. So, so are you going to read today? Yeah, we, I'm going to I'm going to read I'm going to read us Exodus 25 1 through 9 the, the first first paragraphs of the reading here and I want you to be thinking about this the things that we uh, that will make up the tabernacle are to be given by the people. So what are the source of these things? What is the source of these things and what might it teach us about our possessions and how God builds his church today? Again, wanting to draw you into the conversation of what this means to us. So this is Exodus 25, 1 through 9, offerings for the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to take from me an offering from all whose hearts prompt them to give you shall receive the offering from me. This is the offering that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and crimson yarns and fine linen, goats, hair, goat's hair, tanned ram's skins, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod and for the breastpiece, and have them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them in accordance with all that I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. This is a very important passage, and you know it is interesting, and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate your question sure. because you've got a great answer ready for it. But a couple of things that stand out to me is that is God says, the Lord in verse 1 and 2, he says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to make for me an offering from all those heart, whose hearts prompt them to give. You shall receive oh, the, the offering for, for there me. There it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Uh, God is commanding them to make an offering. Right. God, in some of the hearts are going to be evidently. It's not for everybody. Right. There's going to be certain people who have it on their heart to make the offering, and others who evidently are not. Right. And God is commanding us 
to make an offering. Not giving us, not saying, you know, it would really be great is if you guys in church would make an offering to me. He is commanding, yep. this is an absolute essential part of our relationship that you should make an offering to me. Uh, and, uh, and some people will, will feel that. And then uh, you read off a listing, you read off a listing of everything that's given. Please, reader, gentle reader, gentle listener, <laughs> notice that what Keith read from God, what God said uh, was nothing but really incredibly expensive stuff. I mean, uh-huh. Look at the list. This is the offering that you shall receive from them. First thing, gold, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and crimson yarns. These are the best, rarest yarns. Fine linen, goat's hair, tan ram skins. All of these kinds of things are all of the best things that they possibly possess. Right. So right from the start, what, you're t- what, what God was telling the people Back then, 4,000 years ago, you know, 3,500 years, whatever it was, yep. I, want, I, I, I am commanding an offering, and it is going to be the best things that you can possibly give to me. Amen. That has not changed. The command has not changed. The expectation from God has not changed. Uh, the essential element of making an offering to God, how that is essential to the relationship that we have with God, it is unavoidable. It is not an option. Right. And it and it and it always includes the the, the best that you have to give, yep. the most expensive, the most valuable. It has to be a sacrifice that costs you something. That was true in Moses' time, and it is not. That has not changed. And man, I had to preach that sermon. And so now I ask the question to you. Oh, that's fine. That you ask, and that is the things that will make up the tabernacle are to be given by the people. This changes the conversation. Right. What is the source of these things? What might this teach us about our possessions and how God uh, builds his church today? Uh, so that's well, yeah. a different thing. Is it has to do with sourcing these things, right? right? And that's it. I mean, because they didn't just pick the stuff up along the way. They actually acquired it. First and foremost, it's God's, right? I mean, the simple answer, the church answer is everything belongs to God, so it's God's. But someone, had God gave the talent to weave that fine linen, to, to use those, to use the, you know, to be able to skin a ram and treat it so that it isn't just a stinking piece of dead animal. Mm-hmm. It's actually a piece of leather. Um, but, but, you know, so there's those people that did that. And most of those people were in Egypt, so you remember back when they were walking out of the out of Egypt, people were coming up to them, led by the Spirit, giving them the Egyptians. The were. Egyptians are giving them right. things to take with them, right. and and I can only imagine the looks on those Egyptians' faces. This undeniable compunction to just take this gold and silver and linen that I had worked so hard at and hand it to the Jewish slave that's abandoning me. Right. And, and that had to be God moving in their heart. Amen. We know that, and yeah. we know that it was. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because there's no way an Egyptian would say, oh yeah, here go, they're the slaves. Well, here, it doesn't take make my gold any sense. earring. Like, First, I'm unhook let my, my earring right. and hand it to it you. It doesn't make any sense. Right. The only thing that makes sense is that God made the Egyptians do that. Right. It doesn't make sense that they would release their slaves and give them all of their best riches. <laughs> exactly. Only God could incline their minds and hearts Amen. to do something so insane. Right? It's crazy. So what you're saying is, is that the source of all of their stuff that they had 
was God. Was God. And what I'm saying is not only is that true, but now, now that we're out of Egypt and now that it's time to create a tabernacle, God is commanding them to give back the best things that he has given to it's them. It's almost like saying, and now you'll find out why I did it. Right. And the you why know? is not, I didn't give you gold and silver and all this purple yarn and all this kind of stuff so that you could have it. Right. I gave it to you so that you could give, give it, back it back to, to me. me. And yet, he also, and again, we, we, I want to come back to that, if it's on their hearts to give. Yes. Because we, all of us are given things by God. It's just whether or not we want to give them back. Because in the end, we can't take it with us. As cliche as that line is, it's true. You cannot take it with you. Right. And so what are you going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to give it to my kids. I'm going to give it to my, my you know, it's like, and, and, you know, we talked about this Solomon once, you know, in, in Ecclesiastes, I think it was, it was like, I don't want to give up this, my money because I don't know what my kids are going to do with all of this. I, I worked re, I worked real hard at this. Right. Why do I want to give this up and mm-hmm. things like that? And so, you know, it's very interesting to me that, that, that God gave it to them. And yet, I know in my own heart, I clutch the things. Right. I clutch my things. We I, all do. I gather them to me, we and I do. and I count them, and I I live among them, and I and you know please, I, please I'm a not, rich, happy, wealthy miser. <laughs> right. You're the old please Daffy stop. Duck. <laughs> the old Daffy Duck. I'm a rich, happy, wealthy miser. Uh, you know, and and, and yeah, as theologically sound as Warner Brothers cartoons is, he emptied the entire cave of riches into a wheelbarrow is a funny bit but how many of us actually do that how many of us just to fill a wheelbarrow and just to carry it around with us to remember how much we have i don't think that we have to say much more we can move yeah. on to the next yeah. point i, I think that yeah. don't you th- am i asking you i mean don't you think that the sermon here preaches itself right this is that that each of us is has been given what we have not by we haven't acquired it ourselves it has been given us to us by God. This right. does not just a message is it does not just apply to the Israelites. It's not just a message for them. Yep. It's a message from us, for us that the best things that we have, we have been given by God for the purpose of giving them back. And you Amen. know what I think, Keith? We've made it, it, we've made reference here to all who feel this upon their hearts. Right. This is my argument. I think that every single person that lives knows that and feels right. And has this in their heart, the need to give back to God, right. to their creator, right. okay? Uh, I think everybody feels that, but they don't know that that's what they feel. They don't, right. they don't know what to do with that. Or maybe they're afraid to do that. I think of the rich young ruler who Jesus says, you got to sell everything, give it to the poor, and then right. come follow me. I think he he knows that that's the way. Right. He knows that Jesus, is, and he knows that's what he's been feeling that entire time. He knows that that is the emptiness of his heart, that that's the source of his pain. Right. And he, he just won't do it. I think everybody who's listening knows yeah. that, that this is what they need to do, that they need to make a generous offering of the very best things that they have. They know that these things have been given to them by God, by grace, by God's mercy, and that for the purpose of worshiping God. They just won't do it. Right. And let me ask you a question then, too, because it came to my mind when you read that. and what they, Those that did not give were not kicked out of the assembly. Those right. that did not give right. were not forced out of it, the Israelites' camp. They just didn't give. Mm-hmm. And so how are we to treat 
people that don't want to give and and feel like right. I, it's not on my heart because honestly you know when we talk about it you and i realize that this is from god it's like you want to shake them yeah, and say come on but in the end, God will deal with them how he will deal with them, right. I guess, is the ultimate but answer you're asking on that. How but to, you're how asking do we a very respond how to, we, how to how that? How do we deal, deal with that? And I, and, and I think that's an excellent question, and it's a question we face all the time about, right. you know, how do we deal in relationship with people that we we know that they're wrong right. we, in their attitude. We know that they're not going to change their, their right. attitude. Now, what do we what do we do? What is grace in this one? Right, because you can be so gracious that you just simply continue to enable bad behavior. Right, or you or, or, you, yeah. or you can shoot a torp, a self righteous torpedo at them, and you're 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 right, but do you do more harm than right. than, than good? Right, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and fortunately, I think for some, for a lot of folks that I deal with. You know, they know what I do. They know I work at a church. They know I'm I'm a Christian. And they're like, they they they'll say something and they'll kind of do a side eye at me, right? You know, like, okay, is that okay to say in front of you or or something yeah. like that? And it's like, you know, it's like I'm not I'm not I'm not going to judge you, but I will tell you this is what God says is a lot of what I tend to do. Right. And it's like I'm a fallen human being, but th- I do know what God says, and this is what He says. Right, and then so you just you leave it ma- at that, and you make the decision. But sometimes how you're it's work hard that. to not mess with right. it more than right, that. exactly. So uh, we want to encourage you to do something to depart from Exodus a little bit in the book of Hebrews, chapter eight. I'm going to ask Keith for his comment on this. Right. Chapter eight, verses one through five. You can read this on your own time, okay. and then also Hebrews nine. Uh, verses 11 through 12. Keith, you've read these verses, you've studied these verses in Hebrew. How do these th- these verses, you know, over and against our study of Exodus, how does this help us to understand the, the specific instructions God is giving the Israelites? And they're very specific instructions in, in yeah. how we respond as Christians. What would you say to all that? Well, you know, in the end, it's... It... <sighs> God has a much better way of doing things than humans you do. You think? Right? No, I mean, really, do we just say that or do we really think that? You know what I'm saying? But that's exactly it. It's like, how many times do I wrestle with God to make him see my point when all he keeps saying is, no, Keith, do it what do it the way I ask you to do it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think one of the things that the writers of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews really points out is that Jesus is the ultimate display of God's brilliance. There you go. You know, it's it, it, the fulfillment. The fulfillment of of every promise ever made. Yes. The fulfillment uh, but but also the fact that he said to us, I care enough about you to become one of you. Right. To be to 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 show you I understand what it feels like to scrape your knee, break your leg, right. you know, catch a cold. Right. You know, you know, I don't know that, I mean, because Jesus was 100% human. Mm-hmm. And so and he... 100% and 100% God. And 100% God. I never doubt his deity, right? right? But it's his humanity sometimes that we think, you know, I had a friend once who said he had a super immune system because he was Jesus and he never got sick. I'm like, then how would he ever understand someone... Right, who suffers. Who suffers right. with a sickness. Exactly. You know, how does how do we know that he didn't, he wasn't anemic or he wasn't asthmatic, you know? We don't know He had a human things. body he that had, was... Exactly. That was susceptible. To exactly. I, and, and he understood, you know, 12-year-old Jesus, 13-year-old Jesus, 
saw girls looking at him and giggling and had self-conscious thoughts. I mean, he was tempted in every way, every single sin. way, and he never sinned. Right. That's the big difference between him, and certainly difference. me, is that he never sinned. But but so, so what? Who else but a brilliant God would would say I can do all of this? With a wave, with a with a word, I created the universe with words. I could fix everything, but that's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going to engage with you, the sinner, exactly into your world. Now, you said the word fulfilled. The fulfilled, and this is where Exodus. So Exodus is so important. In one of the most important verses in the Bible, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the Old Testament. Right. He calls it the Law and the Prophets, the Old Testament. Don't think that I've come to abolish the book of Exodus, in other words, right. which we've been studying. I have not come to abolish Exodus. I have come to fulfill Exodus. Yep. And that's why we're doing Exodus, is not so just so that you'll have knowledge, right. a trivial knowledge of Exodus, but so that you'll have a fuller understanding of why Jesus came, what he is and what he came came to do. Amen. And as an example of that, here's this verse from Exodus chapter 26, 33, and it says, you shall hang the curtain under the clasps and bring the Ark of the Covenant in there within the curtain, and the curtain shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the very presence of God for the people before right. Jesus came. Thousands right. of years before Jesus came, the Ark of the Covenant was the, was the presence of, of, of God. And it was to be in this holy of holy place that was only Amen. supposed to be entered in by the chief priest and once a year. And now Matthew chapter 27, 51 comes along, and that's where Jesus has died, and the curtain is torn in two, and symbolically right. now that... That holy of holies, that place that is not accessible, that is the presence of God, is now, because of the death of Christ, is acceptable. Uh, in other words, a veil separated, the, you know, this curtain right. separated us from this holiest place where God uh, resided on earth, uh, keeping the world out of, but of why? his presence. I want to ask you, why does, he, why, does this, why does this God, who wants to have relationship with us, create that scenario you just described that that he's put a veil between his seat his his presence on earth where only one guy can go once a year right why would he do that because of because of our sin because god is holy but deeper than that uh again we go back to why what did jesus do that was so special right do we celebrate what Jesus has accomplished for us. And here it is. It's a deal where God is so holy. He wants to be with us. Uh, but if without Jesus Christ, it has to be, it has to be a separated presence. G Jesus comes along, and now the presence isn't separated. Uh, we're, we have full access. But do we celebrate the fact that you and I can freely do what no one could previously do without right. Jesus. Right. And one of the things that's upsetting to me as a pastor is, is this is this devil-may-care kind of attitude or this entitlement attitude of, well, I get to talk to Jesus whenever I want. Do you understand the cost, what it took to make that happen? It took, it took Matthew 27, to, 51. Right. At the, the moment of his death. The shed blood of Jesus Christ in suffering took down that veil and took away that, that barrier. And Amen. you're not celebrating that. Amen. If you're not recognizing, if you're not understanding that from the book of Exodus, I mean, you're not really understanding 
understanding all what Christ did. I mean, it is not a 3,000 year setup to that moment. What is? If it's not, a, it, what is, right? I mean, here they are. They are expressly given permission to to love, be in relationship with God, but it has to. It has certain restrictions on it. Right. And 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 you know and so for three thousand or however many years it was from Moses to Jesus. Sorry, my math's bad this morning. Um, that's how they had to do it. And then Jesus, at the moment of his death, he he creates this new relationship. And you're right. I mean, how are we not? dancing in the streets every day because i think we take it for granted i mean i love that you said it that way and i love that you were on these verses because you've got to understand that there was a veil that 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 according to god's commandment i'm going to be in camp with you i am going to be in your world and the only way that's because i'm holy and because you're dirty with sin right my spot is going to be separated out from you and now, after all these years, Jesus, he, he bridges that gap. He takes it. He makes it everything. He makes everything clean. How are we not dancing in the street? That's a great question, Keith. I mean, it's because we think that we're entitled right? to yep. be able to come into that. Yep. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you are not entitled to come into that. But I trusted Jesus as my savior. Great. Just be in awe of the fact that you get to do this. Right, but you're in awe. Most people are in awe of the fact that they did the trusting right. instead of yeah. Jesus taking down, uh, instead of being imp- impressed by the fact that Jesus was the one who took down the veil. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh, just shut up about yourself already, you know? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I can't I, talk I, I, about I, myself? I, what? I, that's my favorite topic. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, that's humanity's favorite topic is yeah. themselves, right? And so, yeah, it is, it is a, to me, a very fascinating study of humanity, these, these verses. And I hope that you'll take the time, listener, to go back, read these, talk about this amongst yourselves, really dig into the symbolism of what it means, what this tabernacle means. It isn't just, yes, it's a building. It's something that's going to be important, but it, it, it really is something that sets up the our what should be our understanding of how as you I love that you use the word obnoxious about Christianity how obnoxious that our ability to go into the presence of God is now right. because these guys would have given their right arm to be able to do right, it right right but they didn't get to they do that. that they they knew that they couldn't now wrapping up we told you before that we were taking you through chapter 31 right so on your own read verses 30 chapter 31 verses 12 through 17 you'll see that it's all about sabbath mm-hmm. and about how absolutely important it is it commands israel yep. three times god commands them to keep the sabbath right and and as you read that command and as you see how important it is to god that we keep sabbath amen think to yourself about how you keep sabbath and you probably will see that that to a certain degree, you do a poor job of keeping Sabbath. Amen. Not, it's not just showing up for church. It's right. how you show up for church. And I'm not talking about what you're wearing. I'm talking about the condition of your right. heart. And everything that you and I have talked about, coming into Sabbath, coming into worship, 
uh, understanding the incredible thing that Christ did that he did not have to do right in order to take that veil down and and, and have you freely come into the presence come fr- freely into the presence of God that's what God does God, God wants God wants you to come freely into the presence of God amen but come freely into the presence of God never forgetting how much it costs to get you there right that's amen. and you will keep the Sabbath which is commanded here in, in chapter 31, verses 12 through And you'll be dancing in the streets. You, you should, not because of what you did, but because yep. of what God did. Amen, amen. And, and there's a certain freedom. To me, there's a certain freedom in knowing that, 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 I mean, it isn't up to me. I don't have to keep doing something to please God. God was pleased enough to take me out of my sin yeah. and, make, and give me a new life. It, it, nothing I could have done to help that. And it just... Man, praise God he did that for me. We're praise God about, he did it for all of us who are who are his children. Well, you're talking about God's do-it-yourself right, project. Right, there you go. Boy, yeah. I wonder if I'm going to be, if everybody, if he ever does a podcast, what's your worst do-it-yourself project, God? Well, it's that Keith guy. What do you think is going to happen if if you get to heaven? You think you're going to sit there and talk about the great things that you did? Right. You're not. <laughs> You're going to get to heaven and be like, wow, God, I'm really impressed. Did you see that one time I did this, God? God would be like, yeah, did you see that one time I did this whole cross, being dying on a cross thing? Yeah. Yeah. We are so egotistical. Anyway, uh, with that note. Yes, and on that note, we we bid you a fond farewell. And uh, hope we'll see you again uh, uh, here at Megan's Old Office on our next episode uh, as we continue our study of the book of Exodus. Until then. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office, brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.